0: So when I was in high school, I was an incredible athlete. You laughed way too quickly on that. You left, laughed way too quickly. Um, so I wasn't that great of an athlete, but I was a big guy. Um, and so, you know, when you're in middle or, over there was junior high and uh, kids talking in eighth grade, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to play football? And I said, of course, I'm going to play football. I don't know anything about football, but I'm going to play. Um, and so we talked about that. And I, I played my first year, practiced more than I played, but uh, I practiced my first year and got in a little bit. And then the next year, my sophomore year, I, it was the same thing, and I, I didn't really like the yelling in your face thing and all that other stuff and the hard work thing. I didn't like that either. Um, but what I really liked, uh, was baseball, and I was a little nervous about going out. So my sophomore year, uh, after football got done, I said, I'm going to go out for baseball. I'm going to go out for baseball. And so I started practicing with the team, the preseason, and then the tryouts came, and, uh, you know, I, I, th- I thought, uh, you know, as a Bozler, did I just turn this off? I'm on, yeah, I'm on um, so as a Bosler, you always have su- supreme confidence as you look at uh, the team and you you start counting how many people are going to be on the team, and I said, "I got it, I'm on this team like I know it, and uh, that didn't happen that didn't happen. I didn't make the team, and I thought it was great injustice uh, and uh, I remember after I didn't make the team. Uh, immediately the football coach said, Hey, we're doing off season workouts. Are you coming out? And I'm like, I've got to figure out something to do because I do not want to go to off season football workouts. That is like, there's no purpose to it whatsoever. Anyways, uh, other than getting yelled at by your coach some more. But, um, so anyways, I, I thought to myself, what could I do to get out of that? And I, I, I saw the, the options of life. And I decided, track and field was for me. Track and field was for me, and so uh, I uh, I had I dabbled a little bit in uh, junior high uh, with the shot put. The shot put, and that sounds like something a big guy like me could do, right? It's you know, you know, uh, but uh, and so so I went out and I I I, track and field. And if any of you ever been to a track meet, they're horrible. They're just horrible. There's stuff going on. It's it's kind of it, it looks chaotic. You never know what's going on. There's a bunch of people. You're missing things right and left. So I, I liked it. I, I liked the idea of it just being kind of hang out and shot put and this and that. Anyways, um, I, I, you know, there, there weren't that many shot putters. There were probably 10 of us, J.B. and Varsity, and um, I was okay. I was okay in uh, our school, and so I was super excited. The, the meets would come, and and from time to time, I would even place for a second or third, and and there's this funny thing that I would do um, in Santa Barbara. It, it was like a small step up from Tehachapi, a small step up. They had the the Santa Barbara New, News Press, the Santa Barbara News Press, and it you, you could go to the sports section, and you could look at the uh, the scoreboard or the box scores from everything, and you could go to the track and field. And you could go to the shot put in the track and field and from the meet and you could find my name, Bosler, third place. And it would have how far I threw the shot put. And I loved it. Ah, oh, I loved it. You, you know, it was about, it was smaller than like the stocks uh, section of the, you know, how that one line is smaller than that. But it was like, that's my name out of it got in the paper got in the paper the santa barbara news press whoa they thought i was important um maybe some of you have experienced something like that where you've loved the idea that you were acknowledged as great in some way that you were acknowledged there were a couple of times it was first place but most of the time it was second and third for me okay but that, that idea that you saw your name in the midst of things as something to be acknowledged or something like that. This morning, we're going to talk about this. And we're really going to talk about it this week. Not next week, but the week following as well. I want to tell you also what's going on next week. Super exciting. Brandon Kirby's going to be here. Our associate pastor. He's flying in from Rome just to see us. Uh, uh, but most of you know the story there. He has a, a daughter that's had some, uh, severe health concerns and they've been over in Rome and he's going to be sharing with us, Lord willing, this week and, uh, next week, actually. And, uh, so, uh, it's going to be a huge blessing for us to see him again and lay eyes on him, to be able to touch him. And, uh, so he's going to share with us next week. So that's next week. And then the following week, we're going to talk, a kind of do part two of this, kind of make that transition. And then the following week, uh, it's pretty exciting too. Uh, Kent Schlecht is gonna be here. Uh, he's got some ideas and thoughts and plans and God's, uh, uh, given him some, uh, exciting things that he wants to start a church in Bakersfield. And so, uh, he's gonna be sharing with us that day and then the following Sunday's Easter. So gr- great stuff coming up. Uh, you're gonna wanna be here, uh, to hear all those things and be a part of that. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at God's Word today. I was thinking this morning as I was looking back, uh, some of you wonder what I'm doing up here in front when I look back. I just love to see your faces. I just love to see your faces. And um, You are good looking, but that's not the reason why. Uh, I love to see people who are needy. Uh, You thought it was a good idea to come to church today. You thought it was necessary for you. And it is. It is. I fear for the ones you say, I don't need this. I fear for them. Uh, because maybe you can make it through today, but there's stuff in the future uh, that's going to knock you and knock you for a loop. And the body of Christ meeting, you say, I want to be there. I want to be with them. I want to uh, hear from them. I want them to hear from me. I want to sing with them. Uh, I want to encourage them. And so it's encouraging to me to see your faces here in a day like today um, we're in chapter 2, and I just want to remind you, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, th- there's this passage, this section of the uh, the book of Philippians that's talking about really how to be together, how to be together in humility, coming together to do what God wants uh, us to do. And obviously the surprise box, it was on my mind and when you see two or three ninja doodles or whatever those things were um my mind goes there quickly but um it's this idea that we as a church are called to work together and i i i shared with you last week that it's not just the church that's called to work together it's also your family is called to work together that you as a team, you're, you're always wondering and, and thinking through how you can work together, how your kids can understand that and how you can be this beautiful family unit that God designed, that God designed. But in reality, it's not just your family. It's the husband and wife relationship as well. That we can think through and work on and treasure that unity that God calls us to. Uh, as He calls us into life partnership with our husband or our wife. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the section we're in today. Chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, thank You for Your Word. Uh, It's thrilling to read and to understand. And Lord, we ask that Your Spirit, the Holy Spirit that inspired this Word would also uh, teach us now and mark us and change us. God, we need changing. Help us to see that as well. God, thank You for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you are here last week, we looked at the, really just that first verse. And uh, we were uh, setting in place The Way to Humility. And I I thought about uh, my title message today. I think it's just part two, but it's about humility. And um, we struggle with even the idea of being humble, right? The idea that we would want to be humble. Uh, I think that most of us want to be first place. We want to be greater and proud. And uh, we want to be acknowledged as something special above everyone else. And uh, yet this section has this idea of at the end of chapter 1 of striving side by side. And then the beginning of chapter 2 that uh, it's setting in place this idea that it's good to be united with one another as we're going to see today. And there's a picture of that in Christ that He humbled Himself. It's an amazing thing that the King of Kings humbled Himself. We're going to look at that uh, in the weeks to come. And so for us here this morning, just to be reminded that humility is a good thing. It's a good thing. Unfortunately, that word uh, humility is uh, connected with the word humiliation, right? Uh, and humiliation uh, in the Scripture isn't just the idea of being embarrassed, but it's being brought down to the proper place. Uh, exalted for man is a bad deal because that's not accurate. We should be humble. We should be humbled. And uh, the events of life and the Scripture is calling us to seek humility. And so, how do we get there? Well, last week we looked at that we would treasure the work of Christ in our lives. Treasure it. And as you read that first verse, you, you realize that He's saying, think about it. Think about the riches that you have in Christ. It's good for you to think often about where you could have been uh but because of Jesus Christ where you are and the situation that you're in that you're a child of God when you should have been out on the streets spiritually that you should have been left to yourself that you should have been lost in your sins even as we sang today but that double cure right that he gave us something that we did not uh deserve and so as we consider first that we would be these people who treasure the work of Christ, um, I know Zach gets kind of hung up on the same type of songs over and over again. If you would see all the songs that we sing, they're very uh, most of them are talking about the grace of God down in the cross, that we were sinners and that we needed a savior and the great work of Jesus and what he they're, they're all centered almost all of them are centered just on this picture that uh, of our salvation. And there's a reason for that, because it's good for us. It's good for us to dwell on that. Um, We're not celebrating the goodness of man when we come here uh, Sunday morning. We are celebrating, we are worshiping the God who had the plan to send His Son Jesus to die on our behalf. And the reason we keep going back to that over and over again is because it's at the center of our lives. And it's helpful for us to get that proper perspective of who we are and where we need to be. And it's, it's energizing as we think through our day. Uh, it keeps us in that proper spot that we would not become proud and selfish. Um, as we see our passage this morning, and we're, we're not uh, gonna make much progress, um, We will make progress because it's the Word of God, but we won't get very far, okay? Um, You see uh, in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, complete my joy. Complete my joy. Uh, Those of you who have been studying the book of Philippians with us, you realize joy is a big word. It's an important word. It comes up over and over again. In fact, uh, Paul, as he had shared the Gospel on one of his missionary journeys, actually two of them, uh, he had gone to Philippi. He had encouraged them and people had come to faith and there began a church there in Philippi that he's now writing to probably 11 years later after his first visit. Um, He now says, uh, he talks about his joy being complete. That may sound kind of uh, weird because you, you think about, you know, Why Paul, you know, why why didn't you have complete joy? Uh, Why do you need something from me? What is it that I'm completing? It it shouldn't be connected. Your joy shouldn't be connected with anything I can do. Um, In fact, uh, you see prior in chapter 1 that simply their faith, that they had come to know Christ and it was joy for him. It was joy. Um I want you to picture this and and uh Paul's something special. He's not like us. Um he's an apostle. He's an apostle. Uh he's not uh when he went on his missionary journeys, when he preached and when he wrote, when he wrote the word of God, that was a special message that God gave to him. There was a special uh, relationship unique relationship that others didn't have there were others who were apostles as well but we're, we're not apostles here today at least not in the way that paul was okay so but but this is this is interesting so paul's uh in rome under house arrest and he's talking about how he has joy just that the gospel's going out but now he says he's calling on them to complete his joy And let's think about that for a moment. Uh, What he's going to talk about is he's going to talk about the unity of of the church working together. Um, Those of you who are parents here today and have multiple children, uh, when you see your children together, what do you want to see? What do you want to see? What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? You say nothing. Uh, <laughs> if you hear something, what do you want it to sound like? Maybe that's a question. Uh, it, you want to see them working together, caring about one another, loving to be together, uh, and and loving each other, loving each other. That's what you want to see. And so as Paul, an investor of the gospel, right? He's an investor, like not you know. But he went and he gave, and he suffered for them, for them, and and as it was in relationship with God, he was an apostle. He knew he was supposed to go there. Uh, we see in Acts the, the the call to go to Macedonia, and Philippi was part of that, and and so he knew that God wanted him to go, but. As he went and they responded, that was joy for him. But this joy, this greater joy, or this fulfillment of joy, this completion of joy, was that it had lasting effects to draw their hearts together. And I want to tell you that there was this, we'll call it apostolic joy, okay? Um, and, And this is how this works. Uh, Paul is is kind of saying, he says, uh, I want to see you. I want to hear that you're together. I want to see that you're together. Make my joy complete. He's saying, this will be God's joy. This will bring smile to to the face of God. That this is what God saved you for, is that you would be united. And me, as God's representative, His apostle, My heart will be thrilled alongside of God's. And I'll tell you this, as a pastor, not an uh, apostle, this is what thrills my heart as well. It's to see the church being the church united, uh, connected to one another, being who God's called us to be. And so in the middle of this... uh, these sections, these sections that he's going through, talking, building blocks to how to have unity and humility, uh, conquering uh, selfishness and pride. In the middle of this, he says, make my joy complete. <laughs> make my joy complete. This is what uh, you've been saved for, and it would thrill my heart uh, as the one who shared with you, but it also thrill the heart of God because that's why He extended His hand of mercy to you that you would be connected one to another. It's interesting, these first couple of chapters have really been a joy shift for us from self to service. We're going to continue that shift. Um, if, If I asked you what would bring joy to your life or happiness, most of us real quickly would start listing out things to be changed. I'd get this. Somebody would be nice to me. My kids would quit crabbing all the time, you know uh there there'd be some obedience like like you could list out real quickly what would bring you joy, and Paul's going back to you over and over again that joy comes from following Christ but being saved by Christ, but also not just being saved by him but serving him alongside of his church, serving and so um as I think about this uh. This section, the section I shared a little bit last week, what a thrilling section for us as a church because he's warning us uh, as he warned the church at Philippi, this is a danger for you. Uh, He probably had heard of some um, isolation one from another. Uh, He had probably heard of some selfishness in the church and maybe some factions or uh, some people separating from one another and saying, I don't need you. Uh, And so he wanted to send them a message from God that uh, drew them back together where they needed to be. Uh, And even if they had a semblance of that, it must have been a danger uh, for them, as it is a danger for us this morning. Um, You know, I lived in a couple of different places. I'm not well-traveled. But Tehachapi, most people live in Tehachapi because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. They had some idea that said, you know, I'm tired of being around people. Yeah, I'm tired of being around people. I can't stand... like. <laughs> some of us, let's be honest. Uh, some of you get mad at people you don't even know. You're never even going to talk to them. You get stuck on the 405 freeway or something like that, and you're you're mad. You, you're watching the blue car... Go two miles an hour past you. I I can't stand that person right there because they're on the road the same time I am. You know, Uh, Tehachapi. We're we're a group of people that have been drawn uh, to a place where they can have what they want to have. I want to encourage you. That might be true out there, but in here, with our significant relationship with Jesus, it should be different. Should be different. Um. Let's get to the Word of God. So He's got this joy that He's calling on them. He says, "Complete my joy." Last week I talked about that. These uh, three sections, verse one, verse two, and then three and four, are are really four line sections, almost poetic. Okay, uh, and there's some. Uh, I, I warned you last week. Today we're going to talk about chiastic structure in the Greek language. That's all I know. Um, anyways, it's uh it's a first line that's identical or the same idea as the the fourth line, with the second line and the third line being similar as well, being kind of subservient to the, the first line, the first theme. And it, it's the idea of repeating itself for emphasis. Okay, uh, Especially in the Old Testament, there's there's greater pictures of this chiastic structure where it starts and stops at the same idea, and then uh, it keeps building lines line upon line. Uh, I just want to tell you that's there for emphasis. Uh, it's hard for us to see in the English language, but um, you know to see these as these four lines. And so there is really a, um, you know a, a structure, an outline for this passage. Last week we looked. At the treasuring the work of Christ, encouragement in Christ, comfort from his love, and affection and sympathy we we looked at those, and now this week, we look at uh these four points the the unity of our mind, the unity of love, and then unity of being full or harmonious, and then once again unity of the mind, okay, and then we'll dabble in that last or that next four line section today and then pick it up again in two weeks we need to treasure unity uh, among believers treasure unity among believers and uh, once again treasure unity among believers because this is what God's designed us to be and then when you think in terms of your family you need to treasure unity in your family and then treasure unity in your marriage. I think that this idea, and the the reason I say treasure, it's the idea of valuing, right? Uh, Do you you value everything at your home? No, you don't. Some things are in the attic that you thought were of value, but you haven't touched them in years. Uh, You know, mice may be eating them you don't even know you know it's just tossed aside but there are other things that are super important to you and you treasure them and you hold them dear and you keep your kids away from them right and, and you won't loan it out and it's if somebody says hey i need that from you you said no, no 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 this is something important to me this is a priority for me i'll give everything else up but this i will not give up and uh, unless we have Uh, this idea that we are going to treasure unity with God's people, it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. Our tendency, we're going to see in a uh, really the next verse, is towards selfishness and pride. If you don't treasure unity, you will live your life based on selfishness and pride. Um, Okay. Let me just say this initially. Uh, so, um, do, you, do you believe in some of the evolutionary principles? Survival of the fittest? I do. See it every day, right? Survival of the fittest. Pushing and shoving, right? Pushing and shoving. The strongest is going to win. And that's how life goes out there. God's calling us to something different than survival of the fittest. How many of you are communists? Socialists, you know, communists. How many of you, are, you just think everyone should be the same and this and that? Uh, when I was in college, I got the opportunity to travel to Russia, the former Soviet Union. Weirdest thing ever. Not the whole trip. There was amazing things I got to see. But, uh, we would travel a lot on subways or on buses. And, uh, you know, I'm, from southern california a bit of a loudmouth from college young man you, you can picture the whole deal um and so we're traveling and and uh in the parts we were in the the buses and subways i mean they were packing it on it was third world packing it on you know how that goes and uh, i was good at it too you know you just lower your shoulder and just keep pushing and uh you'd get on a bus or a, a subway or even a train and you'd be packed on there, and it was the strangest thing. There would be, you know 50 to hundred people in this car, just packed in there. You're, you're standing like this, and nobody's talking. Nobody's talking. And it, it was creepy the first time, and kind of and then I, I didn't really notice what was so weird about it. And then after it happened a couple more times, I started asking, I asked our translator, why, why aren't they talking?" Why is it silent? And he said, Oh, it's real simple, because they're not sure who's listening. Uh, they, they think maybe the KGB's on there, and they would say something that would be inappropriate and that they would somehow connect that they were doing something wrong. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, something would be taken away from them, their freedom or something else, because they, they didn't trust them. They didn't trust them. And so their answer. Their answer was to stay separate. Together but separate. I want to tell you, when I think of survival of the fittest, when I think of this picture that we don't trust anybody, uh, this is a danger for the church. He has called us to something different. And let's find it in His Word. And remember as we, we look at this, this is based upon God's work in your life. If there's anything that God has done for you and His Son Jesus, if there's any benefit to that, and there certainly is. He says, then make my joy complete by doing this. Um, He he says, verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He speaks of this idea of unity of mind or being like-minded. Now, couldn't be anything more un-American than that, right? That we would think the same. That we would think the same. And and most of us treasure our crazy ideas, right? Uh, And not just treasure them, but that we think that we have a better idea. I think I have a better idea about this than you. it's interesting, we had, uh, forgive me for throwing firemen under the bus, but we had a, a fireman's kid uh, in the youth group one time, and we were talking, and I said something about uh, a fireman. And he says, oh, does he have a better idea? Just out of nowhere, he said, does he have a better idea? I said, what do you mean? And he says, if he's a fireman, he's got a better idea. And I said, about what? And he said, everything. Everything. Everything forgive me if you 're a fireman here today. there's other occupations. It could be pastor, it could be contractor, whoever um, it 's American to have your own ideas in fact you we cherish the idea that i don 't think like you and that you 're wrong and i 'm right and uh, we we like that idea, and now the Word of God is saying that we would be like minded that we would think the same well that 's a challenge. Uh, when, you, when you're in the church here, uh, sometimes it's interesting. Uh, I've thought about this. I've been a church planner before and uh, websites and stuff out there and in the interwebs and everything. Some of you have looked at our website and you've gone and you go, I'm going to figure out what these people are all about. And you know what we do sometimes when we go and we look at a church? We're looking for ways that we can disagree. You know I, I need to hear their doctrinal statement because I want to figure out where they're wrong. I want to you know I want to hear that pastor because I want to figure out where he's wrong. I, I want to figure out how I can separate from them. What has God called us to? Unity. but wait, wait, wait. does that mean that truth isn't unimportant is, is unimportant? We're just supposed to agree? No, not at all. Chances are this is what is happening. Uh, as He calls us to unity, is that you're wrong. So am I. And so am I. That we give up both of our wrong ideas. And that He calls us to think differently. He calls us to His own thoughts. That Jesus has changed us. That we would embrace the way He thinks. The way Scripture has called us to. you look at that first verse, it's not about you. It's about what you have in Jesus. What do you have in Jesus? And, and it carries on uh, from that make my joy complete, being a, a same mind, being like-minded. How do you do that? You give up your ideas, and I give up my ideas. And we replace them with God's truth, His message that will unite us, the message of Jesus. Think about that. How do we get unity? You know, the smartest guy wins. No, it's not the smartest guy. It's the single message, the single message of Jesus. I want to tell you that um, I hope we cherish that here. I hope we don't uh disagree about the color of the carpet, the walls, what we have for fellowship time, when we have the church picnic, what we eat at the church picnic. Uh, I hope we don't disagree about any of those things. I hope we don't offend one another because we think a little bit differently or we vote a little bit differently or, you know, we drive a different car or we come from a different land and we, you know, we're city people or country people. I I hope those aren't the disagreements. I hope those are set aside and we cherish our unity. We cherish it. We fight for it. I'm going to talk about that later, fighting for it. And how does that happen? How do we get to be like-minded? you give up your ideas i give up mine i'll give up mine first you give up your second and then we'll uh agree with jesus and we'll follow after him like minded um, in uh this 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 first uh, of our line of four here um unity of mind we'll see this again to end the, the fourth one unity of mind again but but know this This is thoughts and actions. Thought, thoughts and actions. Uh, we're also great philosophers in in the United States of America. We can sit, we can sit around. We can go to college and we can think deep thoughts and, uh, put our deep thoughts on the internet and publish them. And everyone will be impressed how smart we are. And we can sit at coffee shops and do what if scenarios till the cows come home. But this isn't just about philosophy that we would agree on the way things go in our minds. But this, this, these thoughts would turn into attitudes and actions. These are not devoid of someone's life. Uh, we struggle with that here. Um, some of us, we say, I understand the gospel. I understand that Jesus Christ alone is the answer for salvation. And that He is the one that covers sins. And I believe in the grace of God. And then we go home and tear into our wife and tear into our kids. And we say, you're wrong. And we belittle them and over and over again. I want to tell you, the the, the thoughts need to be fleshed out in actions. And so this idea that we would think the same, think the same, that our, our unity, it would be revealed in the way we do things. In the way we rescue families. In the way we shepherd souls. In the way that we are a gracious church. It needs to be fleshed out. This, as we come together, it, it becomes our actions. It becomes the things that we do. So he calls them and he says, you know, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. He moves on to uh, the second line there and he says, having the same love. Having the same love. And it's great because it speaks of how God loved us and that that is the, the love that we share here. The love that we share there. Verse 1, talking about the riches that are found in the Gospel. That is God loving us and His Son Jesus. And then that becomes... The thing that changes our heart that we might love one another. And I, I want to tell you, not just in, uh, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful motivation for us um, that we love one another. Go back to that picture of a parent, your desires for your kids as they're together, as they're uh, talking with one another. Um, what do you wish for them? What do you wish for them? You wish um, that they would love one another. That they would love one another. And that their life uh, would be driven not by what they can get out of one another. Not because uh, one makes the other feel awesome and they can be proud of who they are. But that they would truly love one another. And this is the picture or the glue, the powerful glue in the church that should keep us together is that God loved us in His Son Jesus. And now out of that love, we truly love one another. Uh, what happens if we sin against one another? I say if, like it's a hypothetical thing. You know what's going to happen in the church? We're going to sin against each other. You're going to... You're, the the struggles of your own heart, they're not going to be able to be contained just within yourself. You're going to sin against one another. You're going to say something unkind. You're going to do something unkind. You're going to let one another down. I want to tell you, uh, the unity that's found in the church is glued together because we have the same love. Not because one of us has a greater capacity to love than the other, but because We've experienced the Gospel. God's love is in us. And it equips us to now love, supernaturally even, one another. That we can truly love one another. Our unity is not based upon um, anything other than what God has already done in us. And that, that continues to be fleshed out. So being of the same mind, and then he says of the same love, unity of love. And then the third line, uh, unity of being in full accord. Full accord. Um, as we look at that, and these two things kind of come together: that love, and now um, this this idea of being together, harmonious in our mind, one souled, uh, really is the picture there. Um, not standing out as an individual. It's interesting uh, Zach told me a while back um choir robes are kind of weird. I'll just say that I'll make a judgment call on that if that's offensive to you let's let's not agree to separate on that okay um uh, i we found we actually found this is so funny uh we found in one of the files somewhere a pattern so you can make your own choir robes in the church here so at one time somebody made a bunch of choir robes. And Zach, uh, I I was showing that to him and laughing, and he goes, "There is a purpose, you know." And I'm like, "I can't imagine what that would be." Zach, explain it to me. And He says, "Well, um, what you desire to do and acquire is that nobody would stand out, that no, that that you would that that your voices would be as one voice, that there would be nobody standing out, that you couldn't hear one voice over another, and." So the idea of a choir robe is the same thing, that you couldn't see one above the other. Um, the, the picture here of being one sold or uh, of being in full accord is that not one individual is standing out because there's they're so much working together. Uh, that, that's an amazing picture. There, there's no home run hitters. It's just a team working together. It's not one person standing out to the side and doing their own thing because they're working together. They're one soul. That's hard, isn't it? Uh, it's hard in a, a family. It's hard in a marriage. It's, it's hard everyone to work together. Uh, some of us, you know, we wear the t-shirt that says doesn't work well with others, doesn't play well with others, right? Do our own thing. I, I want to say give that t-shirt up, right? Use it as a rag in a garage. Uh, But this idea of saying, I need to treasure the unity that we have. I need to think of myself as one soul with the believers around me. I I need to think about how I can work in harmony that I wouldn't stand out. Uh, This is what God has saved me for. This is what would thrill Him as I live out, as I live out. Uh, That which he saved us for, and then once again, um, once again, that fourth line in that chiastic structure, um, and of one mind, one mind. What we see, and really, this comes to conclusion in this section, is that we would be a, a church not just a church but like that we would consider in our own heart that that we would be gospel or we would have a gospel oriented life and and that because we have a gospel oriented life because of what he's already done it would unite our hearts together because we have this same goal we have the same goal the same singular goal or most important goal Yeah, we're we're all different. Yeah, of course we have uh, this idea, this identity that's other than this. But the most important is Jesus Christ and what He did for us and that unites us together. Um, We we do this all the time. We do this in our minds when we, we get offended or when something comes up that we don't like or... You know, we have a limited amount of money and we're not sure what to do. We ask the question, is this a big deal? Do I need to make a big deal out of this? Is this a reason to separate? Is this a reason to take a step back and push away? And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Because of what Christ has done in your life, that you would see unity and treasuring that as a big deal for you that you would look at this church and as you get offended or maybe as I've offended you or overlooked you or, or vice versa or any of those things that we would say, it's too important It's the church. It's too important. Uh, this is what Jesus saved us for. I, I want to be a part of that making joy complete, right? I, I want to live out why Christ died for me and how He saved me and what He saved me for. I want to be unified with His people. As I think about this, um, I'll just breeze through this this second section. But uh, before we move on, I, I want to tell you that um, we, uh, we we usually celebrate that separate awesomeness that we can accomplish, right? We we say, "I, I like to do my own thing." We celebrate it. I want to tell you, maybe you should give that up. Maybe you should ask yourself some questions like, uh, can you live without believers? Can you live without believers? God never intended you to. group of people in our world today that say, I don't need to be a part of a church. Yes, you do. The New Testament they needed to be. What do you think that, that the inspired Word of God is outdated? I want to tell you, you need to be. Not because it'll help the pastor, in fact it might make things more complicated if you come more often, we might need to build a bigger building or at least put a patio out here or something yeah. like that. a little rough in the wintertime um, I, I want to encourage you to 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 think this through can you live without believers? Maybe ask you this too can you live without a pastor you know do do you need a pastor do you need elders? Do you need to be a part of a church? Do you think of yourself as someone who's, you know, I, I can do it, I can take it or leave it. Well, I encourage you. I don't think that's what Jesus is saving you for. I don't think that, that in keeping with the riches that He's blessed you with. And I think it's a danger for you just as it was a danger uh, for the church at Philippi. I'm going to ask you, why should you come to church? I like the music. I like the surprise box. You're too old for the surprise box. And if I had you sit down on stage, it would take you too long to get up, right? You notice I sit in a chair. Uh, uh, You know, as as you think about it, why should you come to church? Because I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. There's someone that I need to encourage today. There's someone that, that I need to be united with. There's, there's a connection that I need to make today. Why why should I go to Bible study? Well, it may not be your cup of tea, but maybe it's for someone else that you would go and, and be a part of. Why should your, your kids go to the youth ministry and, and participate in that, in the kids' programs here? Why? Why? Because this is what He's called us to. I, I realize the Internet's an amazing place. You can find everything. everything and better on the internet, okay? Apart from the unity that you can find with believers. Real flesh and blood. I want to encourage you um, that we are called to be together. Real briefly, real briefly, I just want to read to you this passage. This is the next passage, okay? This is the next, and it it continues to get more practical or more hands-on. What does it say in verse 3? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. What is that? Selfishness and pride, right? That's what that is. What is selfishness and pride? It's the greatest motivation on the face of the earth. Did you know that? How, how do they motivate you in your job? They cry out for your selfishness, right? Uh we we think you're doing a great job. We're gonna give you five dollars more an hour. Going to give you we're gonna even give you health benefits. Are you kidding me? Love health benefits, uh, you know. And you're like, hey, maybe I can get some more. Maybe I can do some more, and and for myself, you know, for myself. And the more money they get, they go, man, we got this guy. Just give him more money, and it, we we got him because his selfishness is driving him. And some of you say, well, they didn't pay me that well. Maybe they gave you a shirt that had your name on it, right? You go, man, that's me. I'm a, you know, I'm something. I, I, you know, they're they're not paying me that well, but I'm something. I'm I'm the vice president in charge of repairs. Or, you know, uh, you know, th- there's this idea that they're 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 playing to one or the other, right? Your selfishness or your pride. It's great motivation. And You look at this and it says, do nothing from selfish motivation or. Uh, and this idea of vain conceit or the the why why should we do that cuz god's got a different way what is his different way it's humility it's humility and he says count others more significant than yourselves as you look around the church you just say who's the most important person it's not me it's others others are more important than me when you when you go home and you're with your family and you say, you know, somebody should do this. Who should do it? Well, the servants should do it, right? Most of your homes don't have servants, right? Unless the ones that live there, right? Who should do it? Uh, You know, the least important. Who's the least important? Well, me. I need to consider others better than myself. In your marriage, in your marriage. You say, well, you know, what's a reason to get married? I, I just decided this would be best for me. I, I decided it would be best for me. And I get what I want. I get what I want. And this person makes me feel like I get what I want. I want to encourage you. That's not the point of marriage. Consider others, others more important than yourself. Reason through this. We'll come back to this. And some of you are marking it on your counters. I'm not going to that message. Um oh, He says, uh, uh, kind of mind your own business. Verse 4, he says, let let each of you look not only to his own interests. Wait, that was my full-time job. Just looking out for number one, me. He says, no, don't look out for just number one. Look out for somebody else. Somebody else. Who is it? Also to the interests of others. Think about them and say, what would be helpful for them? For them." So that next week, the point will be this, that we would treasure second place. We treasure second place. And when you treasure second place, you know what you do? You survey the room, you survey the room, and you go, how can I get to second place? How can I find second place? How can I serve this person? How can I care for this person? How can I love this person? We'll go on. We'll go on in this passage. Three things real quickly. I know I've gone a long time. I don't know how long. I'm not going to look at the clock. Three things. Treasure, unity, and fight for it. This will not happen naturally. What will happen naturally is selfishness and pride. That's no, that's no way to run a church. That's no way to run a family. That's no way to succeed in marriage. Selfishness and pride. So treasure, unity, and fight for it. Number two, uh, unity happens by having a gospel or the gospel, Jesus' message as a common goal with others. How do you get on the same page with your wife and your family and your church? Have Jesus be at the center. His grace and forgiveness be the the thing that holds you together. And then lastly, remember this, your pride and selfishness will keep you uh, from the unity that God has saved you. It's not. It's not a tolerable sin. Your pride and selfishness isn't just what we do. It's. It's a bad deal because it'll keep you. It'll keep you from the unity, and the humility that God designed for you. Please join with me in prayer, Father God. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this rich passage that um, is so uh, basic to who we are and what we struggle with. God, encourage your church today. Help us to honor You and uh, seek after these things Do Your work in Your church to build us to be all that You want us to be. Thank You for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.